Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church with our pastor, Andy Brown. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. How can something that is so glorious, so significant, become so boring? How can something that is so significant become so mundane and monotonous? I won't ever forget the first time that we took our children home from the hospital. I remember each one. We are blessed with three. And I remember each one when we took all three of them from the hospital. Here we were, waiting for the months for the baby to arrive. You go through this phase where you find out that you're pregnant. And from my perspective, you watch your wife grow and you see things start to change. Katie goes through that nesting phase. You know that phase, ladies, the phase where nothing is like you wanted and so you have to start changing everything. The furniture is rearranged two or three times. The walls are painted in the nursery. The pictures are in place just like she liked. I mean, just like we liked them. Then what happens? Then all of a sudden, the baby comes in the hospital or stay in the hospital if it was like my son Titus we got snowed in the hospital so we had to stay in the hospital and then finally what happens the baby comes and we get to come home we get to take that baby that we prepared for and we get to take that baby and lay that baby precious baby in their own little bed for the first night and all night long we're praying that we get to have another night. All night long, we're praying that our little baby is kept alive and will be all right. So what happens? The next day comes, and it's our first day home with the new baby. We quickly realize that everything has changed in our life, and nothing is ever going to be the same. But, 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 as time passes, sooner or later, something so significant becomes routine. Something so significant becomes monotonous. The children start sleeping through the night. Now for us, and maybe for you, that took about three or four years. Amen? But that night finally comes where the children sleep through the night. Before you know it, sooner or later, you take it for granted that the children are going to sleep all night. Sooner or later, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in a rhythm of a song. And forget that you're singing the greatest song that was ever written. Sooner or later, you'll forget something so significant can become mundane. Something as significant as a new life in the world, if we're not careful, can be taken for granted. And let me just say that it's Easter Sunday, the year of our Lord, 2017, and I am so glad that you are here today. I am so glad that you have decided to come and celebrate that Jesus is alive with us today. Because on this Sunday, Easter Sunday, is a day where we get to remind ourselves to not get stuck in a rut. Easter Sunday is a day that we put an exclamation point on the church calendar because we know that this is the day we get to remind ourselves what life is all about. On this day, we remind ourselves that Christ has risen from the dead. But what does that mean? You know what it means for Christ to be risen from the dead? It means that hope is alive. Christ rising from the dead means that death is dead 
and life has won. Christ rising from the dead means the sword of sorrow has been blunted and it pierces no more. Christ rising from the dead means the former things are passing away and behold, God is making all things new. Christ rising from the dead means there is forgiveness. Christ rising from the dead means that not just all things are made new, Christ rising from the dead means that for those who place their faith, for those who confess that He is risen, He is risen indeed, it means that He will not only make all things new, it means that He'll make you new. And so, I want to ask you a question this morning. And hopefully you know. Because I don't want us to take something as serious as Easter. Something as serious as a resurrected king I don't want us to become guilty of letting that become monotonous. I don't want us to become guilty of us going through the motions and taking something as serious as Easter and missing the significance of it. What does Easter mean? Here's what it means. We get to celebrate something as significant as eternity coming to us. Eternity coming to you. Eternity coming to me. And oftentimes I'm afraid that we forget what happened that Easter morning when the crucified Lord became the risen Lord. It's more than just something that happened out yonder. It's more than something that happened somewhere in Jerusalem one morning. What happened that Easter was no isolated event. When Christ walked out of the grave, listen carefully, He promised and guaranteed life for everyone who trusts in Him. And I wonder this morning, I wonder if you trust in him. I wonder if you can say beyond the shadow of a doubt without any hesitation that you can say this morning, yes, I trust in Jesus. You see, Jesus has come on a mission from God. And that mission that He was sent was to come to a broken world. A, a world that has been broken. A world that is filled with brokenness. And so Jesus has come so that He can take it and put it back together again. I love the way that He chose to put the world back together again. Don't miss this. He didn't do it from some distance. He didn't send some envoy, some angel, some representative. He came Himself into our miserable condition, into our world that is sick with sorrow, into your brokenness, into my brokenness. He came personally so that He could take what was broken in His own hands and put it back together again. Just like the prophet said, all we like sheep had gone astray. Everyone had turned from his own way. And the Lord laid the iniquity of us all on him. Then he goes on later and it says that it is through the stripes of this one that was sent because he was the crucified Lord. Because he took our sins and our sorrows and he made them his very own because he bore the wrath of God that should have been mine and yours to bear, He put it on Calvary so that we would be with Him, so that healing could come. And I want to tell you, this is the message that the church has to the world. That in a world full of darkness and despair and brokenness and hurt, there's hope. And hope has a name. And you know His name. What's His name? Jesus. Jesus. You see, Easter, this is the message of Easter. Christ 
has come. And he has come in order to take a world that's broken and form a new world. And you know what? He's going to fill that world with confessors. He's going to fill that world with a community of confessors. And for those of us who love Jesus this morning, your life is a life on display for the rest of the world that says Jesus is alive and I trust in Him. Everything that you do as His witness shows the world that you believe that there was a man sent from God who came to heal brokenness. Everything that you do says to the world that there was a man that was sent from God who came to love, who came to heal, and who came to forgive. So I just wonder this morning, how are we doing? I wonder if we are telling the story the way that God would have us tell the story. I wonder this morning, are you living the life that Christ has secured for you? And are you living that life not mundane and monotonous and boring, but are you living that life not just going through the motions, but are you living that life that Christ has secured for you with excitement? Or has something so significant as Christ walking out of a grave and offering life for all of those who trust in Him, something so significant has it become dull in your own hearts. I hope you have your Bible here today. If you don't have your Bible, hopefully you have a smartphone. You can download an app that has the Bible on it and you can follow along there. Or there's one right in the pew. Or we can do things the old-fashioned way. You can sit next to that good-looking neighbor beside of you and have a chance to see what they wore for Easter and scoot close. And if you have your Bible today, no matter how you have it, just get close to one. And I want you to turn to the book of 1 Timothy. And I want us to turn to a passage of Scripture that's going to tell us what Easter's all about. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And as you're turning over there, let me tell you just a little bit about 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, 1 Timothy was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, who was Paul? This is why it's so important for us to know who Paul is, because Paul was a man who physically saw the resurrected and ascended Lord. He was a man who was a witness of Jesus. He went around the world proclaiming Jesus is alive. And so after he saw Jesus, Jesus sent Paul on a mission, and that mission was to spread to the world that death had been defeated and Jesus is alive. And so as he's going around the world telling this message that Jesus is alive, people say, yes, I agree with this. Jesus is alive. I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to trust him. And so one becomes two, two becomes three, three becomes three million. And all of a sudden the church is formed. All these communities are people who agree with the message of the resurrected Christ. And these communities are called the church. There was one church in Ephesus who had a pretty famous preacher back in the day, a man named Timothy. And Paul writes to Timothy to tell him what Christ walking out of the grave has to do with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yes, every day. So let's look at the passage together. Let's look at the Bible. First Timothy chapter 3. Hear the word of the Lord from verses 14 through 16. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that 
If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we are so grateful for this day already. Lord, we had a baptism. We had our organist back to play the keys and the organ. Lord, it's just been a good day, a day for us to celebrate. Jesus is alive, and because He's alive, we have a hope to face not just this day, not just tomorrow, but every day after that. So, Father, as we submit ourselves to Your Word now, I pray the Holy Spirit of God will open every heart here. Take this truth, sear it to our hearts. Father, for some here today who may not know You, may they today confess You for the first time. May they leave, may everyone here today leave different than they came. May we all leave loving Jesus more than we did when we came. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. So today, what I want to do, very in our time that we have, I want to give you three reasons, three reasons why Easter is exciting. And I hope that we can already just go ahead and stop right there. I'd be glad to quit preaching and you can say, Preacher, Easter is exciting. But I hope that we can agree at the end of this message that these reasons are the reasons why Easter is so exciting. And if you're here today and you're guilty of going through the motions, and you know that you are, if you're here today and you've lost the flavor that you have for the Lord Jesus Christ, you've lost your love for Him, may today be the day where you feel Him calling you back to Himself. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe some of you today, you know that you don't love Jesus. Maybe some of you today, you know that Jesus is far from you, but listen carefully today. I pray that the Lord would let the excitement of Easter touch your heart. So number one, the reason Easter is excited is because a risen Christ means looking ahead to a glorious future. A risen Christ means that we have something to look forward to. How many of you would love to hear some good news? How many of you would love to turn on the Atlanta news and hear something beyond somebody killed somebody, somebody ran over somebody, this school's in trouble, this restaurant had a bad rating? Wouldn't you love to have something to look forward to? Wouldn't you love to have a hope to look forward to? And here's what Easter means. Here's the reason why the world has not gotten over this message of Jesus. It's because a risen Christ means that we have something to look forward to and that what we have to look forward to is a glorious future. Look at the Bible. Look at verse 14. Don't miss this. Paul says, what's he say? He begins writing here. Now, 1 Timothy, let me tell you very quickly, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14. This passage right here is the middle of the book. It summarizes everything that came before, and it looks ahead to everything that Paul's going to say next. If you hadn't read Timothy, I encourage you to do it. It's shorter than a newspaper article. You can do it. Read Timothy. But Look at what he says here. Don't miss this. Paul says, verse 14, and don't miss the sincerity in his voice, I hope to come to you soon. Paul says that he is hoping to come to see Timothy soon. Now let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you were looking forward to coming to church? I mean really looking forward. Not just 
going through some motion of getting up as we can do, I can do, been a, a preacher for many years now, go and read my Bible on a daily basis. When's the last time you've looked forward to coming to church? And I'm truly asking. Because the reason that I'm truly asking is because I want us together to consider what Easter's all about. When's the last time that you woke up looking forward to prayer? When's the last time that you woke up ready to read your Bible? When's the last time that you woke up ready and excited to tell somebody about Jesus? And if our society today has taught us anything, our society has taught us how to look forward to something. We in this capitalistic society that's guided by materialism in a lot of ways, we know what it means to look forward to something, whether it's a new movie, maybe a new trailer's come out that you're really looking forward to seeing in December, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's a new piece of technology that you're looking forward to. Maybe it's that new automobile that you can't wait to be released. Or maybe it's, for those Atlanta Falcons fans like me, maybe it's uh, next year, how long we've been saying that, right? We know how to look forward to something. If it's not college football, it's the Super Bowl, then it's March Madness. And then what happens after March Madness? Everybody around here knows, starts with another M, the Masters, right? We all look forward to that. And then baseball, and guess what it's time for again? Well, it's time for football again. So we know as a society, we know how to look forward to things with excitement. But when's the last time that you got really excited about Christ coming out of the cold grip of death? When's the last time that the message of Easter not just hit your ear, but hit your heart? When's the last time that you got excited that Jesus is alive and that your sins are forgiven and that He has secured a place with Him for forever? I think that we would long for the things of God more if we truly understood the things of God. If we could just sink our truths, and I pray the Holy Spirit of God will do this because I can't convince you. Only God can convince you. If we would just sink our teeth into the truth of what we have come to celebrate today, we have come to celebrate today that Jesus has overcome and the grave has been overwhelmed. That's why we're here today. The sting of death has been taken away forever. Forever! And so when we go to a graveside, for those who have gone on to be with the Lord, when we go to a graveside, we go knowing that we're just taking that body and planting it in the ground, and one day, because Jesus has risen, that body will rise again. We know the sting of death has been taken away forever. And here's what I'm afraid of, and I don't want this to be true of you. For so many of us, the story of the empty tomb is just that. It's just a story. It's just something that we come to church and hear somebody talk about. It's something that maybe we get a phone call about from someone and they tell us about it. Maybe you have someone knock on your door and they come tell you about the story. Maybe you hear some guy talking on the radio. Maybe he's a little loud. You have to turn him down. Whatever the case, you, for most of us, Jesus rising from the dead is nothing more than a story. And it's Jesus' story. It's not even our story. Let me let you in on a secret. This is the reason that Easter is so exciting. Easter is so much more than a story about a guy who lived. Easter is a story about a guy who lives. 
Easter is a story about a man who is alive, and because he lives, we can face tomorrow with certainty, no matter what comes our way. We can face tomorrow. The stock market may collapse, they may break in our homes and slaughter us even there. Whatever the case may be, the worst thing that could happen, we face the world with confidence to know that Jesus is alive. And because He lives, no matter what, He gives us a future and a hope. Number two this morning. Number two. A risen Christ means that hope is alive. Christ is our only hope. I remember a story of a son, a dearly beloved son who was going through a terrible addiction. Terrible addiction, breaking his mama's heart. That mother would come to him and say, Jesus Christ is your only hope. Time and time and time and time again, that son would come to the mother and say, you quit telling me that, quit telling me that, but that mother persisted, Jesus Christ is your only hope. And one day, that boy had a little bit of sense. One day the boy had a little bit of sense and he looked at his mama and he said, Mama, no matter what I say, you keep telling me that. That mother kept telling that boy. The boy went to prison. The boy got out of prison. But today the boy's living for Jesus because he believed that Jesus Christ was his only hope. Listen to me today. Jesus Christ is your only hope. Without Jesus, you are without hope. Without Jesus, you are Hopeless without Christ. Now listen, which Christ? There's a lot of false Christ out there. Which Christ are we talking about? This Christ. Without the living Christ, the one who conquered the grave, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, the one who will soon come again, without Jesus, there is really no good reason for hope. Now there are some people who try to live that way. There are some people who try to live as if hope is not here. There's some people who try to live devoid of any hope, and really those people are called nihilists. Now, you may not know what a nihilist is, but you may have some neighbors who are nihilists, and they don't even realize what they are. But let me tell you what a nihilist is. Listen carefully. A nihilist is someone who is an extreme skeptic, so much so that they believe that life is meaningless and without purpose. A nihilist is someone who is a skeptic. And if life is meaningless, listen carefully, if life is meaningless, then what prevents anyone from doing anything? If life is meaningless, then what prevents anyone from doing anything? It was nihilism that led Hitler's Third Reich to justify the slaughtering of six million Jews. You see, we just don't want anyone doing anything, do we? You don't want anyone doing anything. We want the right ones doing the right things. The only way that we know what is right is because there was a man who was sent from God who declared himself. You want to know what truth is? Pilate, as he's being crucified, looked at him in his face and he said, what is truth? Jesus was silent. You know why he was silent? Because just a few chapters earlier, he looked at one of his disciples and he said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am 
the life. And there's one event in history that gives meaning to every other event in history. And can you guess what that is? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Because Jesus is alive, that one event in history gives meaning to everything in history. Listen to what Paul says. This is not me. Listen, I got this straight from Paul. Listen to what he says. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, your faith is in vain, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified about God that He raised Christ whom He didn't raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Now listen to what he says. For if the dead are not raised, if there's no resurrection, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of, listen to what he says, we are of all men most to be pitied. Now this is a man who had dedicated his entire life to spreading this message of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And what's he saying? He's saying that if there is a grave somewhere that has the bones of Jesus in it, then everything that we've ever believed in is meaningless and worthless. Paul was serious when he said that. If this is all just a sham, if everything is just something that we dress up pretty for and come to church for on this day, if this is all just a sham, then as he's going to say later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we might as well just live it up. Because tomorrow we are no more. Live and eat, he says, for tomorrow we die. But, 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 listen, if what we say is true, if Jesus is alive, then it means that life not meaningless. If Jesus is alive, if this is true, it means that God has a purpose for you. If this is true, then God has a purpose and a plan for you. Now, I know all of us, most of us, if you're in a school like mine at least, when you graduated, Probably you had a verse of Scripture read at your graduation. A verse of Scripture that launched you into your career, a verse that launched you into your life. What's that passage? Jeremiah 29, 11. We all love, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. All of us know and love the idea, just the idea that God has a plan for us. By the way, if you're a skeptic out here today, where do you think you got the idea of liking that God has a plan for you? Where do you think that came from? something that you dreamed up, something society dreamed up? Or maybe you were made to know God, made in His image, made to have a relationship with Him, and your life is a desperate search for finding meaning, and you won't ever find it till you find Jesus. We all love the idea that God has a plan for us, but if God did not rise from the grave, Paul says it's all meaningless. But if He did rise from the grave, then it means that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And so now, now, look at this. We agree that God has a plan for us. Now we get to explore what His purpose is. Look at the beginning of the poem. Look at verse 16. Based upon the resurrection, which is, by the way, the resurrection is the event that the church has always confessed. This is who we are. 
we are a part of a people who have been confessing that there is a tomb who was empty, that one that was once filled with the man who was sent from God, but that tomb is empty and he is alive and forevermore. And by the way, this is why Paul uses this language of the church. He says that it is the church of the living God, not of the dead God, some in tomb somewhere, but the living God. He says that it is a pillar and a buttress of the truth. We are those people who confess this truth. We hold this truth up as a pillar, as a buttress before the world. Based upon the resurrection, God intends for you to have fellowship with Himself. And it's not just some thoughtful fellowship. It's real fellowship. It's God sitting with you. It's you getting to know God. Look at the language of the text. Look at what he says. He says, this is how you ought to behave in the household of God. See that language? Then he calls it the church of the living God. And then he says, great is the mystery of godliness. Do you see that? All of these terms. you know what these terms mean? These terms, all of them together mean that the reason that Christ has come, don't miss this, the reason that Christ has come was to take you and to take me, we who are far away from Him, we who are seeking anything other than Him. He has come to us. When we were walking this way, we intended to go this way. He went 17,000 miles down the road to find us and bring us back to where we should have gone. All of these terms mean that the reason that Christ has come was to take you and me who were far from Him so that He could bring us close to Himself. And how did He do that? He, through the sending of the Son, sending the perfect spotless Lamb of God so that He could take all of your sin, all of your sorrows, and make them His very own. He sent the Son. The Son was sent so that you and me could be brought into eternal fellowship with Him. And the hope that we have today is this. One day, Listen, one day we will see God. One day we will see God. Look at what it says in verse 16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Look at the next word. He. He. Great indeed is the mystery of godliness. He. Godliness always begins with Him. Godliness always begins with Him. He has come to us so that we could go with Him. When we couldn't get to where He was, He came to us. He came to us. Us. Look at the text. It says that He was manifested in the flesh. What does that mean? It's speaking of the time when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. His becoming what we are so that He could make us what He is. And what does that mean? It means that He has become sin so that He could make us the righteousness of God without ceasing to be what He was, eternal God. He became what He was not, man, also that He could make us what He is, also that He could make us the righteousness of God. Then what does it say? It says that He was vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels. In other words, He was raised back to life. There was this question. Jesus had been telling people all His ministry. He says, he says one day to the Pharisees, who were always the ones, they were this religious group who were always looking at Jesus and trying to catch Jesus in a trap and get people from not following Him. And so one day He's outside the temple and 
By the way, this is one of the testimonies, if you read the text closely, one of the reasons why that Jesus was crucified because they remembered that he said this. Here he is standing outside of the temple, Herod's temple, one of the ancient wonders of the world. He's standing outside the temple and he looks and he says, tear this house down and in three days I'll raise it again. And they say, how can you? It took us 40 years and so many labors, so many hours. How can you in three days tear this thing down and raise it up again? And then the narrator of the Bible lets us know that he was not talking about the temple, he was talking about his body. So here's the thing. Everybody scoffed at him, but you know what happened three days after he was laid in a cold, dark tomb? Three days later, he rose from the dead. In other words, he was vindicated by the Spirit, saying that whatever he said was vindicated, because I don't know about you, but if a man can come and tell me that he's going to die and then in three days later come back to the dead and he does it, I believe anything he says. Vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, raised back to life, thus securing mine and your salvation forever. He has come to move heaven and earth to bring us with Him. Number three. He has done all of this for you and for your salvation. And I hope this morning that we can get excited about it because number three, a risen Christ changes everything. It's not just some isolated event that happened yonder. This event changes everything. And I want you to notice in the text here, look at the Bible. I'm a Bible preacher. I don't have anything to say other than what he has said. Look at what he says here. I'm, I'm too ridiculous to come up with anything new i can't do it it's too glorious for me to add to it so look at the bible manifested in the flesh vindicated by the spirit seen by angels notice what's going to happen now there's going to be a little change in the poem look what happens proclaimed among the nations believed on in the world taken up into glory now everything's still about him it's all still about Him, but there is a connection now. I want you to see this. You have to see this. There is a connection now between what Christ has done and who we now are. Proclaimed among the nations. Who is it that's proclaiming Him? Remember what He's come to do. He's come to form the church. He's come to form the confessors. He's come to form you and me with this message to take to the world that Jesus is alive. It's all about Him. But there's a connection between what He has done and what we do. And this is where it gets exciting. This is where it's not some isolated event. This is where it gets exciting. What He does affects everything that we do. Everything. Paul would go on to tell the church, he said, if I'm beside myself, it's because of you. He said, if I'm talking like a fool, it's because of the resurrection. It's because I want you to get it. My dad used to be around some guys at Eastern Airlines when he worked. He was a, he was a lost man, didn't love Jesus, had a hardened Vietnam veteran. There were these three religious guys that were always walking around with tracks in their shirts and sharing Jesus, to everyone that they came across with, my daddy, you know what he called them? He called them the fanatics. Fanatics! It wasn't long until God gripped my daddy's heart with the gospel and my daddy became a fanatic. It wasn't too long before God gripped my daddy with the hope of the resurrection and then he changed everything in his life. And that's what the power of the resurrection will do. It will not just change one thing about you, it will change everything about you. What he does affects everything that we do. Now let me tell you, let me tell you. It's not safe. This is not safe. 
truly embracing the resurrection will change everything. Everything. You're going to walk different. I'm not talking about like you got a hurt leg or something. I'm talking about the way that you live. You'll walk different. You'll talk different. You'll act different. You'll spend different. Time, money, everything. All because you believe and confess Jesus is alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ will touch every part of your life. Because what He has done affects everything that we do. Listen carefully to me this morning. Believing in the resurrection is not just some religious checklist. The resurrection means that there is new life in Christ. You see, many of us, we want to put Easter on a calendar. We want to celebrate it once a year. And don't be this person. Don't be this person. We want to celebrate Easter like we do those office birthday parties, you know. Someone brings in a cake because it's August. Hey, all the August birthday parties come in and celebrate. And, you, you know, you come around and you, there's cake. It doesn't have your name on it. It's not even the kind of cake that you like. But, hey, it's August. I'm going to celebrate with everybody else. How exciting, right? Great. So glad somebody thought of me. No one thinks that. But I guess it's better than nothing, right? At least somebody was thinking about you. But what if, what if this happened? What if the boss of the company that you work for there are 10,000 employees at this company. You have this little bitty cubicle on the side of nowhere. What if this boss comes to you and he says, Hey, I found out it's your birthday. I'm going to give you a paid vacation to anywhere you want to go. You just go. You don't deserve it. You're not even the best employee. You've missed a few days even last week. But he comes to you and he says, let me tell you something. I care about you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you something just because I want to give it to you. Now, which one would you rather have? Would you rather have a celebration, a monthly birthday celebration with everyone? Or would you rather have the boss come personally to you and give you something that you really don't deserve, but he gives you because he simply cares for you? Which one? This is the message of the risen tomb. This is the message of Easter. Jesus has risen. And the reason that He rose was for you. You. You see, this is the reason. That we who know Him, we can't be silent about Him because the same God that loves me is the same God that will love you. This is why He is proclaimed among the nations because this message is too great to be kept inside somebody's closet, be kept inside somebody's Bible, to be kept inside somebody's walls. This is too great. This is why He is proclaimed among the nations. This is why He is believed on in the world. And we who know Him, we get to live in Easter every day. We get to celebrate every day. We get to wake up every morning realizing that every day that passes is a day that He is moving us closer to the day that He's going to come back. It's a day moving closer to the day that He's going to return or call us home. It's a time where we live celebrating that our sins are forgiven and that Jesus is alive. He has moved heaven and earth to bring us back to, into fellowship with Him. Easter is exciting. And I hope it's exciting for you. Look, I want you to notice we've saved the best news for last. Look at the last few words of our verse. Look at this. 
Taken up in glory. Do you see that? Glory! Taken up in glory. Don't miss this. After Jesus appeared to over 500 witnesses alive, 500 witnesses alive, He was taken up to glory. And right before He left, what did He do? He told those following Him that they were His witnesses and that they would receive power to tell the world that Jesus is alive. The Bible says this. Let me read it for you. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as He went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, listen, He will come again in the same way that you saw Him go. He was taken up into glory, but one day glory is going to be split and Jesus is going to stand there with His rod of righteousness ready to judge the nations. Ready to rule the world. Easter is exciting because Easter means, and we're celebrating this, that He's coming again. Jesus, the One who lived, the One who died, the One who rose again, the One who ascended up into heaven, Jesus is coming again and if we think about this if we are still talking about his first coming even today what's it going to be like when he comes again i think we sing about it don't we we sing about looking forward to that day when he makes us his very own would you stand with me let's sing this together let's sing this together we know this song when we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when We'd first begun. When is the first time that you began to sing Amazing Grace? When was the time when you started believing that Jesus is alive? Are you singing it today like you should? Every day. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going to start singing this for the first time with a true heart of belief, not some... Words on a screen, everybody else singing and I'm singing it. But you know today that Jesus has died to make you His. And so today, you'll sing it again as His very own. Maybe for some of you, you'll sing it afresh like you've never sang it before. The reason Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together. Father, we love You. As our musicians make their way forward, we love You, our God. We are grateful for You loving us. And Father, we pray for everyone here. I pray that excitement would grip this church for the resurrected King, that excitement would grip this community, Lord, that we would not leave here the same way that we came in, that we would leave here loving Jesus more and more and more. Father, for some, that may mean the first time. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, right now, if you feeling Him calling you, if you so have this desire in your heart, a desire that He placed there, maybe today you want to pray for the first time, Lord, I believe in You. Forgive me of my sin. 
Come into my life and save me. Make me your very own. And Father, give me the strength to publicly proclaim you, to live for you with excitement. Maybe you're here today and you need to confess Christ again and again and again. You need to go back to that time when you first believed. and Sing it today like you've never sang it before. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would move every heart here to help us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray God will use this message for his glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at oxfordbaptistchurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.